Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to WFAN's Baseball Insiders for Friday, June 10th. I'm Sweeney Murdy, and pleased to be joined today by my good friend Mark Feinstein from MLB.com, MLB Network, and author of the new book, The Franchise, available today from Triumph Books, everywhere books are sold. We'll, uh, a little uh, history of the Yankees, and uh, good for Yankees fans new and old, and we'll get into all that with Mark in just a couple of minutes. But, uh, Mark, first let's talk a little bit about the current Yankees. Um, are they? Do you think really think they're the best team in baseball right now? Uh, we know record-wise, uh, I think for those of us who watch them every day, we kind of tend to pick apart the flaws and figure out what's going to bring down this machine in October. But when you're a third of the way through the season, you have the best record. You kind of have to ask the question, are they this good? Do you think they're this good? No, <laughs> I think they're, I think they're really good. Uh, and I think they are probably the best overall team in the American league. The question is, do I think they're this good? And do I think they're the best team in baseball? I still probably give the Dodgers a slight edge uh, playing in, uh, you know, in a tough division with the, uh, you know, the Padres and the Giants who are both having excellent seasons. And, uh, you know, they're the Dodgers are what I think four games behind the Yankees as of right now for best overall record in the league. But, um, you know, I think the Dodgers have some more proven guys. The Yankees have some guys who I think we need to see do it uh, for a bit more time. Uh, the rotation has been outstanding. Um, but I need to see Jamison Tyon do it for a full year. I need to see Nestor Cortez do it for a full year. I need to see Severino hold up over a full year. Um, so I think there are certain things that if they continue, uh, down the path they're going, they're going to be really hard to beat. Um, and of course we all knew Clay Holmes was going to be the best reliever in baseball. So we all had that one before the season, right? Yeah. You got him as your, you preseason Cy Young award favorite, right? Yeah, of course I had, I had Cortez as the Cy Young award favorite and, uh, and Holmes is the Mariano Rivera award favorite. Those, those were easy ones coming into the year. I think uh, the bigger question for the Yankees fans, not necessarily the Dodgers, but the more, the way I look about it uh, around the league is like, all right, who's, who's good enough. Like we're trying to figure out, okay, maybe the Yankees aren't that great, but who's better right now. And if you look at who the tests have been for them in the American league, they've played all the good teams they've played. They've, they've beaten uh, as far as um, maybe you expected to be good teams or just have uh, records as, that are playoff positions right now. They set, they are six and three against Toronto. They split their first four game series against Tampa Bay. They have two more coming up against them starting next week. Uh, they just won a series against the Twins uh, in a little unorthodox fashion. It had to be slugfests, but they weren't winning slugfests a year ago uh, because they, their offense couldn't keep up. So they won two out of three when their pitching didn't hold up, a good sign. Uh, they won four out of seven against the White Sox, were a little disappointing, but still considered, I think, by many a team that um, will probably be part of the race before it's all said and done. They haven't played the Astros yet. 
And that's kind of where I'm going with this. Are the Astros, are the Astros what's standing between the Yankees and the World Series here? How good are they compared to who the Yankees are right now? I actually think the team that's going to stand between the Yankees and the World Series is, is Toronto. I know that right now they're in third place, um, but you look at their team, they haven't hit all that much, right? They've only got uh, a plus 21 run differential and they're 10 games over 500. If this team starts to hit the way it's capable and the pitching has been good. And I think Ross Atkins probably goes out and gets another reliever or two uh, before the deadline. I think Toronto is the only team that is capable of going toe to toe with the Yankees over a lengthy series. Uh, I'm not discounting Houston. It would be silly to do that. They've been too good for too long. Um, but remember, they lost Correa. They've lost some guys uh, over the past few years. And, and they are 36 and 21, but they're playing in a terrible division um, where, you know, you want to talk about like the Yankees having beat up on some, you know, some weaklings over the course of the first half. I mean, the Astros, you look at their, uh, you know, their breakdown here and they're, you know, three and zero against Oakland. They're six and two against Texas. They're four and zero against Detroit. Uh, you know, they did sweep Minnesota good win. Um, but they have a losing record against Boston. They've got uh, four and three against the angels who started off well, and now they're a disaster. They're six and six against Seattle. who has been a terrible team for the most part this year. So I'm not sure the Astros are this powerhouse. Uh, they certainly look, if you, you know, get some good pitching and Verlander goes out there and, and kills it in the playoffs. They certainly are capable, but I, I think I'd be more worried about Toronto in the long run. As we are coming off of the twin series, the Yankees got a big game from both Joey Gallo and Aaron Hicks on Thursday night in their victory uh, combined for three homers, six runs batted in a uh, long time coming for both of those guys. But if you're looking long-term, you know, the Yankees aren't, aren't usually ones that look at small sample sizes and look at bigger sample sizes. So outfield help is something that I think they are going to be on the lookout for. Um, what do you think is available as we get into trade season and how does the extra playoff spot in each league affect uh, what's available when, because you're going to have more teams that are conceivably in the race. The extra playoff spot's going to play in huge to this whole thing. Uh, because when you look at the standings right now, you've got, I think I'm looking as we speak, there are two teams in the American league that are more than six games out of a playoff spot. Kansas city's 10 out Oakland's 10 and a half out, even Detroit 10 under Baltimore, 10 under, there's six games out of a playoff spot. Now, I'm not saying that Baltimore and Detroit are not going to sell. I'm not saying they're not going to become sellers. But my point is there is a there is a window there for any team's executive to believe that they have a, a team that is capable of contending if they go on a run. Nationally, you've got only three teams that are more than five and a half games out of a playoff spot, and that's the Cubs, Nationals, and Reds. So, you know, the Reds have already dumped a whole lot of players. The Cubs don't really have any outfielders to trade. The Nationals aren't trading Juan Soto. Let's get that out of the way because I know that's what Yankee fans are waiting. Well, why don't we just get Soto? Uh, that's not going to happen yet. Anyway, uh, if Aaron Judge ends up signing somewhere else, as we'll talk about later on in the year, then anything's in play. Um, but I think, you know, it will certainly play a role. The guy that I keep thinking if the Yankees are going to upgrade one of their corner outfield spots, Andrew Benintendi makes a ton of sense. He's having a nice year for the Royals. The Royals are going nowhere. They're 19 and 37. Um, and I, I think he is a guy 
who could make some sense and would not be overly, you know, cost prohibitive to, to acquire. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, let's talk about the Mets a little bit. What I mean, we know what's going to make the Mets the really unbeatable team is the return of Jacob DeGrom, the return of Max Scherzer, and watching them go through the second half. You know, without either one right now, they're still pretty good, but, you know, they're not, you know, we're not writing subway series tickets yet um, without DeGrom and Scherzer. So what do you see the potential stumbling blocks for the Mets here uh, and what their needs might be going forward in the next month? You know, it's interesting because I, I feel like if you get DeGrom and Scherzer back, you don't have many needs, right? They're, this team's pretty darn good. And the fact that, you know, that Buck Showalter has them, uh, 17 games over 500, you know, in, in first place by a landslide uh, here in, uh, you know, in middle of June without a pitch from DeGrom. And, uh, you know, Scherzer's been out for a bit here. It's such an impressive job he's done. Billy Epler's put together a nice team. The, the, the uh, you know, the, the additions they made this offseason have all panned out pretty well, right? Starling Marte is doing Starling Marte things and, uh, you know, Escobar's been good and Canada's been good. And obviously the, the rotation, even without those big guys, I mean, Chris Bassett's been okay. Carrasco has been really good. Taiwan Walker's bounced back from his terrible second half last year. Um, you know, David Peterson's followed up. So they, they've actually been able to get by without their big guys. If they get those guys back, how are you going to beat this team? I mean, I think as always you look and say, all right, like every other contender, they could probably use another reliever. Uh, although, you know, the bullpen's done a, a decent job overall. Um, you know, so relievers, you know, bullpen's probably one area you'd look. But uh, this team is deep. The offense is, is clicking. And if you get those two guys back at the top of the rotation, it almost reminds me of, uh, of the 01 Diamondbacks where you sort of say, all right, well, they'll throw Johnson and Schilling five games in a seven-game series and good luck. I think – in the last two minutes, you said if about four or five times. Oh, sure. And, and I think that's the biggest thing with DeGrom is that he hasn't thrown a pitch yet. You're in the middle of June. As much as we keep thinking, okay, it's not major, it's not major, it's not major. When you're missing half the season, all of a sudden, I mean, you do have to ask that question, when is he coming back? Right, but you're not going to go out there and acquire another ace in the event that he doesn't come back or doesn't make it back to being who he was, you know, as long as Scherzer comes back and you can throw out Scherzer, Carrasco, Bassett, Taiwan Walker in a playoff series, you still got a pretty good shot. Um, I'm just saying, if you do get both of those guys back at their normal form, it's going to be really hard for anybody to beat them. Of course, look, Billy Epler, we know came up under Brian Cashman. Cash is the ultimate pessimist when it comes to, uh, guys coming back from injury and, and things like that. He always just goes glass half empty and assumes the worst. So I'm sure that, that Billy is thinking about contingency plans for all sorts of things. Um, I just think if, if, you know, Scherzer's going to be back, we know that. And DeGrom is an if, there's no question about it. 
but all the expectations right now are that he's going to be back. And even if he has to slot in as a number two, because he's only 80% of what he used to be, I'll still take 80% of, uh, of Jacob deGrom over a hundred percent of almost anybody else. Going back to what we were saying about the trade deadline and the uh, playoff teams that are kind of, kind of in the race. I think it's, you know, I, I kind of want to believe that the teams that are kind of on the fringes are probably going to be real honest in who they are, because we can say, for example, that a team is four games out of a playoff spot, but there's a big difference when you're 15 games over 500 and four games out of first place. And when you're, you know, 15 game, uh, maybe 15 is a lot. How about say five games under 500 and four games out of a playoff spot, because you haven't proven you can play at a level that's, you know, that's going to make up those four games in a short amount of time when you're under 500. Um, whereas a team that's played well can say, listen, we're going to win. We're going to win, sweep this series. And all of a sudden we're right there, that kind of thing. Um, so I feel like, you know, I would think the smart teams are going to realize who are, whether they're pretenders or contenders. I agree hundred percent. I mean, you look at the Marlins for instance, right now, they're 25 and 30, they're four and a half games out of a playoff spot. And Kim Ang's not going to look at a team that's five games under and say, Yep, this is a team that's going to go all the way. Let's go. Let's go out and buy, buy, buy. Uh, but I think what they will do in situations like this is so we're talking here on June 10th. The August the trade deadline this year is August 2nd at 6 p.m. So maybe we don't see a slew of trades until July 31st to August 2nd. And teams, you know, the, the executives and the managers and the owners give their teams and say, all right, look you are within striking distance. You're going to get a little time to show us that you're better than what we've been. Uh, and then, you know, then jobs are on the line and then people are going to get traded. Uh, I'm not going to say that out loud, but that'll be the idea of mm. give them every chance to, to go on that, you know, eight game winning streak to get themselves in a position where there's a reason to believe. Otherwise, you know, you're going to see the Miamis and Colorados and Pittsburgh's and Arizona's and um, you know, teams like that. Uh, start selling off whatever whatever pieces they have because um, I you know the, the only team out there right now that's in that under 500 position uh, you know within striking distance who I just don't see as sellers at all is Seattle and that's only because Jerry Depoto does not believe in fire sales he is a uh, you know go for it I think he also realizes that there were some expectations in Seattle this year they have that 22 year postseason list drought a 21 year drought without the postseason. Uh, and, you know, it's time for them to get back there and, and his job could be potentially on the line if they don't. So Seattle's one team, but I think you'll, the other teams that are on that fringe, I think, uh, you know, you'll see them make moves. All right. So uh, you've written a couple of previous books. One, I believe, was called The Yankees Fans Bucket List, uh, a list of things that, uh, that every Yankee fan should know or should do. And the other was co-written with Brian Hoke. It's called Mission 27, a look back at the Yankees 2009 World Series Championship. A lot of fun stories as you get farther removed from that. Um, this one is called The Franchise and more of a Yankee history book. Why uh, why choose this project? What, what made you want to do a Yankees history book? So Triumph Books, which published each of my two previous books, that you mentioned uh, is, was starting this series called The Franchise and they wanted to launch it with the Yankees, given that we've had a, a good relationship over the past six or seven years with a couple of other Yankees books. They approached me and asked me if I'd be interested in writing it. And I said, well, I got nothing else to do for about seven months, so let's do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was it was an interesting approach to 
um, to writing a team's history. You know, normally you see a lot of these chronological histories. All right, well, let's start back in 1903 and we'll work our way forward. And some of those books are fantastic. Uh, I've been shouting out Marty of Hell's Pinstripe Empire every time I've talked to anybody because mm-hmm. it's one of the best Yankee books I've ever read. Marty was a huge and valuable resource to me on this book um, because he knows more about the history stuff, the old school stuff than anybody I know. Uh, so thank you, Marty. Um, I like the idea of breaking up the history into different thematic chapters rather than just starting in 1903 and moving all the way forward. So we broke it up into six different um, parts. There was the architects, which is the owners, the GMs, the managers who made this team what they are. Uh, the legends speaks for itself, although some people will say, wait a second, Derek Jeter's not in the legends section. He's in the captain section. Is that the whole other <laughs> section all unto itself? Um, then there's the game winners. Obviously, there have been some huge moments in Yankee history, uh, just singular moments that didn't necessarily happen with Hall of Famers or, or anything like that, but Chris Chambliss, Bucky Dent, Jim Laritz, Aaron Boone, uh, things like that. The acquisitions, we talked about uh, guys the Yankees brought in from elsewhere. Uh, Roger Maris, Reggie Jackson, uh, Jason Giambi, Orlando Hernandez, guys like that. Uh, And then obviously the last chapter, the rivalries. You can't talk about Yankee history without talking about the rivalries. There are two Red Sox chapters in this because you couldn't tell the whole story of this rivalry. There was sort of the 70s chapter and then the 90s into the 2000s chapter. Uh, but we get into the Royals history. I mean, people forget how fierce that was in the late 70s. Obviously, get into the Mets. We get into the Rays and how that's become their newest rivalry. And we got to the Indian, I mean, sorry, the uh, Orioles rivalry as well. Because I remember, you know, I was a Yankee fan back in the day before I started covering the team. Then it gets beaten out of you. But I remember in 96, Tory's first year, uh, I considered the Orioles to be more of a rival to the Yankees than the Red Sox at the time. Yeah. And, and it was, those games were fierce and they had that big brawl in 98. It was, uh, you know, it was crazy. So, uh, so that's how we broke it up. And obviously I went and talked to a whole bunch of people uh, who I've had a chance to get to know over the years. The book is a little, a little more skewed to the last 40 to 50 years Mm -hmm. because I had a hard time getting DiMaggio and Mandel and Ruth on the phone. So, um, you know, I had to sort of work with who I could get. We talked to Bucky Dent, Dave Winfield. Um, Willie Randolph was fantastic and a huge help. I went down to Montoursville, Pennsylvania, sat down with Mike Mussina at a diner for about three hours, uh, talked to Jason Giambi. So a lot of guys who uh, have had their own unique parts of, of this history of this team. What's the one thing that, you know, like diehard Yankee fans – you're going to say, well, I, I, I know everything about the Yankees. What's something in there that the diehard Yankee fan is going to say, you know what? This is awesome. This is why I need to read this book. You know, I think hindsight is the best part of this book. And I, and I sort of learned this by doing Mission 27 with Hoke. When we sat down with all the guys from the 09 team for that book, and it was 10 years later, and it was like, okay, we know what happened then, but now let's look back and talk about why it happened or how it happened or what it means to you now that you've had time to reflect. Talking to Willie Randolph about um, his place on the team in the post-Munson era uh, after Thurman died, now he considered himself one of the leaders and then was eventually named one of the, you know, a co-captain with Gidry, first African-American captain. I thought Willie had some great hindsight and sort of look into that and what it meant to him and all these years later, what it still means to him. Um, you know, being able to talk to Messina about his decision to go to New York and then 
you know, finishing a 270 with a 20 win season and the decision to retire. And now that he's in the hall of fame and all the rest of it, like, so I, I like the idea of there are, look, I'm, you couldn't break news on Babe Ruth and Mickey Mantle and Joe DiMaggio, right? I wasn't, I wasn't uncovering anything new about those guys. I talked to a bunch of people about them, their place in history, what they meant to the team. But I really enjoyed going back with some of these people over things that they have talked about a million times, but hadn't talked about in 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, or in the case of Willie, maybe 30 years. So um, it's just a unique perspective from some of these guys. And Joe Torrey was great. He went over his entire run as manager. He was also gracious enough to write the forward, which I appreciated. Um, so yeah, I think, I, I think the, you know, sort of getting a hindsight view of some of these incidents and some of these things. I mean, Bucky talked about, you know, his home run, he never envisioned it was going to change his life the way it has. And here we are, you know, 45 years later, still talking about it as if it happened yesterday. Uh, and hearing him talk about that was great. Um, so there's a whole, you know, Aaron Boone talking about his home run and obviously he's gone on to become the manager of the team. So uh, just a lot of great moments. Jimmy Lairitz went through all of his big home runs with the Yankees. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It, it hits it from all the different angles and uh, it's not, it's not just the exact same stories you've always heard. The book is called The Franchise. It's from Triumph Books. Mark Feinsand is the author. And of course, we know him from his great work at MLB.com and on MLB Network. Mark, thanks a lot. Good luck with the book. It's perfect for Father's Day. It's perfect for, oh, my birthday's coming up too. So I guess we should uh, mention that too. I was going to say there's something else. No, it's just Father's Day. No, nope, it's um, just Father's Day and your birthday. Those that's are the it. two Go things with- that matter in June. I thought there was going to be something else like, no, 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 it's just Father's Day. So I'll just throw my, you know, you want to bring a gift to a Yankee fan at a 4th of July barbecue. There you go. That's it. uh, There you go. Go get available everywhere. Books are sold. The franchise from Triumph Books. Mark, thanks a lot. And uh, we'll check back in with you as the season goes along. Uh, This has been WFAN's Baseball Insiders for Friday, June 10th. Remember to subscribe, review, and all that jazz. Also check out the 30 with Murdy podcast and everything else at Odyssey, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sweeney Murdy. Thanks for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.